If you're a fan of sketch comedy, you've hit the jackpot today, my friend, because my guest is Lauren Pritchard, who joined the cast of Mad TV in season 14. So we will learn how crazy that experience was. In addition, Lauren has appeared in some huge shows like Modern Family, True Blood, Hi, I Met Your Mother. I could go on and on, but I won't because we need to start the show. Let's go. We have the hilarious Lauren Pritchard today on Breakfast. Pick it up. Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. <laughs> I could go on a Hallmark card. My uh, guest today. Oh, I'm going to need to hear all about that. I didn't need any extra sausage. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> Is a goat pit a real thing? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food, too. I'm always playing blue-collar guys. Breakfast. Let me screw through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. I love a crawler. All yeah. my uncles got the gout. Jalapeno slash cheddar waffles. Who doesn't love that? It's breakfast time. Breakfast. The only show where bacon pancakes Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope. Lauren Pritchard, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Well, you and I met when you were the special guest star on a sketch show that I used to do called Top Story Weekly. And I have to say, I was just so drawn to you. have a magnetic personality and you've got also just one of the best laughs I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not, no, now I'm going to laugh the whole time. Now you're going to laugh I need to add that to my, uh, you know, sounds that I listen to. I think we were in some type of 12 Days of Christmas sketch together. And I just remember, I remember I was playing, I was playing the 10 Lords of Leaping. And for some reason, when I was leaping, I was just, I just kept going, hup, 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 hup. And (laughs) it was very funny. I remember that. That was so fun. And it it was like, basically talking about how obnoxious it would really be if you really got all of those items. So many birds. There's so many birds. There'd be so much poop. Right. Oh. And why with the Lord? Hup, hup, hup. <laughs> <laughs> but it was ever a really since, fun time. Yes, absolutely. And you know, ever since then, I thought, look, if I have a show um, where I'm interviewing people, I definitely have to have Lauren on because you're such a fun person to be around. And thank you for coming oh. on today. This is this is amazing. Well, it's um, always a delight to see you, and always a delight to hear you. So I'm very honored to be here for a million reasons. So thank you so much. Excellent. Now I know you. I know you grew grew up for the most part in Orlando. Yeah, um, I'm. Especially from the south, technically. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because and, it's, you know, pretty far south, that whole Florida situation. Right. And you grew up the youngest of five kids, correct? Yep. That's five kids and then mom and dad. So seven in the family. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you, you had told me uh, that they're all kind of funny performer types. So how was yeah. that? Did you feel like you had no choice but to be funny? Or <laughs> was it something that you always kind of embraced? It, it's a curse. It's something that you you can't turn from. It's uh, it's like being born into a superhero family, but the superhero skill is just being kind of annoying. Uh, now we are all very funny, <laughs> outgoing performer types, and big, loud, like stand up when we want to talk at the t- table kind of people. And uh, so, being the youngest, that meant I have to talk fast and quickly and loudly, uh, which has just carried over into my everyday life. So I talk very, very quickly. Because it's a punchline scramble around the dinner table all the time. And it's whoever's the loudest, fastest, gets their joke in first. And, uh, yeah, people who are new to the family come in and see it. They're, they're wowed by how fast and sharp and quick we go <laughs> and leave no survivors. Fair. If you're not a part of the bit, then you're left behind. <laughs> right. Is it fair to say that uh, it was a big influence on you becoming a comedian then? 
Oh, for sure. I, my my brothers and sisters growing up are hilarious. My dad's hilarious. My mom is the one who got us into performing. She was um she was like a beauty queen in the fifties. She was a beauty pageant lady. She was Miss Oscar Meyer, Miss West Germany. She dated uh, Jerry Van Dyke. Yeah, big time. Oh, um, yeah. Before she met my dad, and uh, so she was really into the performance aspect of those things. So she put us in ballet class at like two. So I kind of was forced into it at a young age, not knowing what was happening to me. And around seven is when it really started taking off. Excellent. <laughs> so I moved to Orlando. But uh, yeah, so it was kind of just in us. But I think just the wackadoodle aspect has just always been a part of our lives. I, I can't remember a time that my brothers weren't doing jokes and bits with me growing up. It's just kind of, it's a part of the survival instinct. So yeah. So whenever times were tough, it'd be like, put on those tap shoes, make everyone laugh kind of thing. So Right. Yeah. Well, you had you had mentioned to me that uh, you've worked in theme parks like your whole life, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm curious, you know, what theme parks you worked at, what what you kind of did there, and you know, is there something f- from that experience that has kind of stuck with you throughout everything? Oh, for sure. It, again, it's it's like uh, theme parks are like glitter. Once you have it on you, that's it. It's on you forever. There's always like a little piece by your eye for the rest of your life. It's like. <laughs> It's the STD of jobs. It's in you forever. Um, no, I growing up in Orlando, it's just that's what you do. It's it's like if you move to Vegas, you're gonna work at the casinos. If if you if you live in Orlando, you're gonna be a theme park kid. And uh I I discovered, you know, performing and musical theater, that kind of stuff in the early eighties when I first saw Annie, shaped my life. We'll talk about it later. But um moved to Orlando around eighty one and um that's the year Epcot was opening, that all that was all happening and Florida was going to that big 1980s boom it went through with Disney kind of really taking off at that time. And so ever as young as I can remember, I would audition for Kids of the Kingdom every year. It's like the little kids dancing in the park, summertime thing they did. And it just becomes a part of who you are. And everyone who moves there is either moving there from Martin Marietta, which is why we moved there with my dad for Super Defense. He worked in the big Star Wars missions, the big Patriot Nichols, uh, smart guy, you know, exploding stuff in space. Joke. Yeah. Uh, and then the other half of the people that live there are there for the tourism, which is the Disney. So, uh, yeah, so my mom was like working in a rental car counter and selling cruises and things like that. And all the kids end up working for the theme parks. We all still do in some capacity. And, uh, yeah, it just becomes a part of who you are. And what I love about that is it grooms you for family friendly entertainment because everywhere you go, you think I want everyone to have a good time. So every single thing I've done since I was a little kid all the way through has always been like, this is for everyone. I don't think about doing dirty comedy or anything like that because I'm always thinking family-friendly entertainment because that's what Orlando is based on. So right. it, just, it just kind of becomes a part of who you are. And um, Disney has a slogan called being aggressively friendly. It's kind of what they train you on the DL inside when you're a cast member. They call it being aggressively friendly, which is like you seek out people, you make eye contact. So everywhere I've gone for my entire life, people think I work there because I look at everyone directly in the eye and smile at strangers all the time. So people are like, hi, where's your diapers? I'm like, oh, I don't work here, but let me show you. And I like wherever <laughs> I go, I'm weirdly like Disney. That's great. So, yeah. Well, I, look, you've worked on a lot of Disney shows over, uh, you know, decades. So, yeah, I mean, is that I'm so honored. <laughs> is that related to you? I mean, do you think that's as partly as a result of you growing up in that environment as a kid? I think so. I think that um, big with musical theater and then theme park training, it makes you kind of a human Muppet face. <laughs> so no matter what I do, even when I'm really seriously at my base, most serious in real life, I'm still a little bit too animated and it's a little obnoxious for people, I'm sure. And so uh, 
Uh, drama is not my first go-to thing, though I can do it. My face just is like ingrained in giant theme park acting and kind of just trained and molded like Play-Doh. Got a little Play-Doh face. So um, I think when I first did the, those auditions, like I get that kind of comedy. It's kind of ingrained in me. It's musical theater, it's sitcom, it's theme park mixed together and it's kind of over the top sparkly image. So the very first one I booked was Imagination Movers where I was a lepidopterist, a butterfly catcher. An episode wow. called Bye Bye Butterfly, which I got to do ballet in it because I did ballet for 20 years in Orlando. So I got to do uh, ballet in it and also be a big plus size butterfly catcher, which was really, really fun. And um, it's a big, it was a great musical theater show on uh, Disney Junior back then. Mm-hmm. And these, the Imagination Movers are awesome band from New Orleans. They're incredible. So they're, they're like really cool wiggles. Wow. <laughs> like the monkeys, the wiggles had a really cool brother. And you recently were working as a Disney mom on a show. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I went from being the lepidopterist to a, um, a crazy gym coach on Jesse to a crazy librarian on Gamer's Guide to Everything, where for some reason I just hated the kids. Uh, I, I've kind of always played, <laughs> weirdly, except for the butterfly expert, I play a, 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 a bad guy. I got Wait, called out on you, one of the... Um, to be clear, yes. your, your character hated the kids, right? <laughs> yes, yes. That's my character. I personally loved them so like, much wow. and got to see them grow up. You're being, mean, you're being very <laughs> blunt about hating these kids. <laughs> oh man, those kids and their magic and their, no, these kids are comedy robots. Disney yeah. is so, so good at casting kids. They're always brilliant. Like they just churn out comedy gold. But uh, so on Gamer's Guide, or sorry, Jesse, Gamer's Guide to Everything, and then Stuck in the Middle, which is where I got to play Disney Mom, uh, I was always the bad guy. And I remember even asking them some of the message boards, like, why does Laura Pritchard always play evil? She must be a real jerk in real life. And one of the um, showrunners told me, they're like, no, because at Disney we like, to have a funny bad guy, not one that will actually scare the kids. So you've got to have this kind of charmy, like, ah, they're not really going to kill you in your sleep, kid, kind of energy to you. <laughs> so and apparently they had cast a, a previous girl who was so beautiful and played it so convincingly that she was a bad guy that it, they actually like, oh, she seems like a bad guy because she's there's something about her. And I was like, oh, I see. So I'm not beautiful enough to be a bad guy. Got it. Cool, 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 cool. But uh, no, but they're like, there's something like where you can smile and, and say something mean that makes it kind of charming and funny instead of actually scary so that was the last thing i got to do was stuck in the middle as the mean next door neighbor well a couple things interesting <laughs> about that to me i think that one of the skills that probably made you great at playing you know like the disney uh bad character is that whole you have the skill of being aggressively friendly which can come off as a little bit evil right i mean yeah, in the disney world that weird trying too hard thing it's kind of followed me my entire life in real life <laughs> but it's like being aggressively friendly has this creepy desperation to it that we've all seen the person who's like hey please like me and the other side of that coin is i hate everybody it's a, kind of a very similar aggressive serial mom kind of crazy energy that i can play very well right <laughs> well look you're the second disney mom we've had on in the last couple episodes and i think you know rebecca metz I sure do. I yeah. love Rebecca Betts. And I remember talking to the director who was casting her on her big show, and he was so excited about finding her. And he's like, oh, I, I wonder if you know her. And I was like, of course I know her. And I was so excited because I kind of found out she was getting it around the same time that she was telling me she was auditioning for the school show. And oh, and her her director, uh, David Kendall, his name is, was brilliant at casting her in that first episode because she was so perfect. For this. She, she and I used to be kind of a similar type but we have that's a great example of similar type very different energy because she's got this cool matter of fact got it all together kind of funny you know right 
chill, chill mom who's like, ugh, these kids. And that's not me at all. I'd be like, I can't, ah! <laughs> you know, too much. <laughs> so yeah, she's great. Her energy is right. Awesome. Well, look, uh, I think that if I don't get to mad TV stuff, that I'm going to be friendly and aggressively drawn and quartered by my audience. So <laughs> let's talk about your time on Mad TV because it's a, it's a beloved sketch show. It was on for so long. I would love to just hear about what's the audition process for a show like that and and what was your overall experience? Oh, man. So first of all, yeah, to be a part of the first 14 years, the, the original season, the, the OG of Mad TV was I, I just never thought I would book it. It just was so outside of my realm of possibility at that point in my life that I was like, well, I've got nothing to lose. I auditioned when I first moved to LA in 2000 and I was so bad that my, they literally contacted my manager and they're like, she's got to get her act together. Cause I thought I could go in there and improvise. I was like, I'll have my impressions kind of ready, but I'll improvise the actual. Oh no. In there. <laughs> nope, they, they do not want that. They do not want that. They want you to come in really sharp. Uh, but I was an improviser. So I was trying to show off my 20 year old improv skills. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll just ask them for suggestion and I'll base my, you know, stuff off of that. Nope, 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 nope. It, it, I was terrible. So luckily I got to audition again in 2008. Uh, and at this point in my life, things were so bad. I was very single. Rats had just attacked my apartment and I had rat mites on my body and I was literally in a hospital. What? And I, yeah, uh, a, a rat had died in our building. So my landlord had died and then rats got in there and invaded the building and then it was a whole it was a whole disgusting debacle where i had to live at a hotel it was just a mess and um during this time i wrote a blog about it and one of the writers from that was like oh you're really funny you should try to submit us some sketches and then i started writing some sketches and uh the other writer that was friends with me said you actually should audition for us we can't guarantee anything but we can maybe get you an audition i was like really i've been there done that but oh but okay i'm living in a hotel i had rat mites i got nothing to lose so i went in there with someone almost homeless zero money in the bank, just at my lowest point in life. And um, I was about 300 pounds, feeling single, feeling sad, feeling almost homeless. And I had nothing to lose. My confidence was like, well, what's going to happen after this? <laughs> so I just went in there and I played my guitar for some of the bits and did some, did my best work I could do. And I just kept getting a call back and I kept being shocked by it. Cause at this point they hadn't really had a plus size girl on a show like that before. And uh, they just right. kept calling me back and kept calling me back. And I auditioned, I think, like 11 times, all said and done. And every time you go back in the room, there's more people wearing nicer suits and nicer suits and nicer suits until it ends where you're in a little theater in, uh, at Fox Studios. It was an actual theater full of suited people, and muckety-mucks, and it was down to three or four of us. And uh, yeah, terrifying. But every time I was like, well, I'm clearly not going to get this. I mean, there's, there's no way. So I kept having the confidence of someone who had nothing to lose because I knew I wasn't going to get it. And then somehow I did, and I was working in a theme park when I found out. I was at Universal Studios. I got the call. I was crying. I was so excited and shocked. And my first day when I showed up on set, it didn't even occur to me that I might have a parking space. So I walked on a lot. And they're like, what are you doing? You have a spot. <laughs> and when I saw my name on the curb, I literally dropped to my knees and started crying when I saw my name on the curb because I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah, we didn't come from a lot of money growing up, and I just, I wasn't used to that kind of treatment, and it just... I literally cried. <laughs> I wow. saw my name on a curb. <laughs> Look, that's yeah. that's amazing. The only time I've seen my name written on a curb, it said Brent Pope sucks. Somebody put it outside my house. Uh, I, was, I don't know. <laughs> I, it wasn't the same. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was still a little excited that my name was written on the curb. I'll be honest with you. Someone knows me. Weirdly, it was written by the city. That's how unlike you are. Thank like, you. LA it, County themselves put it on It there. said... <laughs> L.A. <laughs> Love yeah, L.A. No parking also. Brent sucks L.A. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's such a great, 
look for our audience that that you know want to be actors or you are actors and you're you know you're still on your climb as we all are we're all on our journey or if you're just a fan of like uh entertainment business in general what an inspirational story that like you actually auditioned very early in your career and i yeah. know it's easy to be like well i'm never going to get that shot again but sometimes things do come back around and mm-hmm. gosh you were just at the right maybe point in your life at that point i mean and and sometimes when you were at your lowest and like you said you had nothing to lose you put everything into it and that's when sometimes you get those things you know and that's and that's the crazy thing is you never have anything to lose because you don't have the job already <laughs> so it's like they they want you to win they want you to be the person they want you to succeed no casting directors ever like go ahead prove it they all really want you to do well and so they're hoping you're the one so don't worry and you already don't have the, you don't have a job already so just go in there and do your best and worst comes worse you still won't have it at the end of the day and that's fine nothing changed right so and how, how, how many auditions total before you booked it you said it was a lot i think it was like a le- i think there was like yeah I, like nine callbacks and it just they just kept adding hoops they'd be like all right now do these scripts now do these scripts add this script now um add this kind of character, add this kind of character, take away that character, make this character more relevant. They would just kind of shape it and shape it and shape it until you had this finished product for the big performance. Wow. And um, yeah, it was great. And I got to work with people like Keegan-Michael Key and Mike McDonald and, you know, Nicole Parker and all these amazing, Bobby Lee, all the all the crazy original cast members that were so great. And and luckily we got to do the big closing finale show, which we had, you know, Fred Willard host for us. And we had Kathy Griffin, all these crazy cool comics come back and be a part of that. Alex Borstein, all the original cast of Collins came yeah. back to the big finale and I couldn't believe it. Like just uh, right. it flew by. I wish I, I wish I had the mindset now and the age and wisdom I have now that I, then, then though, because when I booked it, I had such imposter syndrome. I was like, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. I was so scared. I wish I would have chilled out once I got it down. But it's relaxed. But right. sketch shows, and I'm sure you've heard this from SNL people before, sketch shows, you don't really ever have the job. Every week you have to prove yourself to be on the show again and again. So pretty much every Tuesday, you're re-auditioning and pitching some ideas. And by Thursday, you find out if you get on that episode or not. <laughs> right. So you're always kind of re-auditioning to keep your paychecks coming, which is a pretty scary place to be. And that's where the being loudest, fastest voice in the room helps. That's where that big family helps. That's interesting that you say that because, you know, if you guys are, if you watch something like SNL, which is like the biggest sketch show that's, that's still on right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know how long that show has been on, 40 years, something like that. Yeah. And you'll see weeks, for example, like Cecily Strong, you're like, wow, she wasn't even on the show this week. Now, it could be that she had some kind of scheduling thing come up that week, or maybe she was under the weather. But it could also be that it just happened to be that week. There wasn't anything yeah. pitched that she that 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 she was going to be a character in. So it's something to kind of keep an eye out for us if, you know, just as an insider thing, like, oh, interesting that we didn't see this character this week. Doesn't mean they're not on the show anymore, but could mean that they just didn't have a, a pitch that went through that week that went their way. Yeah, or their sketch got cut after they did it, the uh, rehearsal. That's true. They could. There's. I think they cut up until that last day too. Is that how it was on Mad TV too? Where you have like an extra few sketches or more sketches than you knew you were going to get in the show, and then some of them would get cut last minute. Yeah, we we would pitch a bunch. Like they'd send us a huge packet. You'd hear it go whoop on your doorstep around one in the morning from all the writers. And back then they would send DVDs for you to work on your impression overnight really quickly before the next morning. So they would literally be like, all right, you're going to be Dr. Phil tomorrow. And I'd be like, okay, <laughs> because I played a lot of dudes. Because again, I was I was a sturdy science gal when I was doing the show. And I, I ended up playing a lot of dudes, which I loved doing. 
but um they they would like drop it on your doorstep the night before like all right by morning you have to have this paula dean and song ready to go and like all right and so uh and then you you'd pitch like you know 12 sketches each or something crazy and then you'd only get one or two on the show if if even so that was definitely a thing luckily with mad tv we did a lot of pre-tape by that point so we only had a few things we would do in front of a live audience and the rest of it was pre-taped. So we kind of were able to put some stuff in the bag. And then if it didn't make it that episode, they'd play it in a later episode, which was great. Mm-hmm. So we had some chances to get in there. <laughs> Very cool. And look, I consider you kind of a groundbreaking actor in sketch comedy. Because like you said, you were a plus-size actor, uh, yeah. female actor. And this is pre-Melissa McCarthy. This is pre-A.D. Bryant. So yeah. I mean... Melissa McCarthy existed. Obviously, she was doing very yes. well at the Groundlings, and she was on Gilmore Girls, which right. I auditioned for, and they kept saying I was too slim to her. I was like, yeah. But, ah. um, yeah, and I think I think a 2020 world and 2008 world were very different about plus-size uh, gals, especially. Man, I got a lot of hate mail, a lot of weird things, but I also got a lot of really great support. At the time, I was also an improv teacher. I never stopped doing my improv gig. Also, I never stopped my weekend gig at Universal or Disney. I can't yeah. help myself. I'm a workaholic. And I knew the show was probably going to end. We all kind of knew going in that it might be in the final season, so we all just kept our day jobs. <laughs> Thank God. But uh, I, I like to inspire people. I like to make, make everybody laugh and make sure that everyone feels that they can be a part of something like you know, that makes people feel good out there. So I'd have a lot of teenager, younger girls that would write to me or that I would teach that would be like, man, you, you know, because I believe when you're improvising, you can be anybody. You're, you can be anybody every second. You can play anyone you want to play. You don't have to be anything. And uh, so I never, I didn't always just play the plus size girl and things. And that was kind of cool on the sketch show because it opened me up to playing an Oompa Loompa and, you know, Michael Kors. And I played Celine Dion's husband at one point. I had literally a shaved head and a beard and just I get to play this crazy random stuff that I think I wouldn't get to play if I just was like kind of a housewife type, unless they were brave enough to trust me. Now though, I think sketch is totally different and, and, and comedy and prom and everybody, they, they, they're embracing a more diverse crowd. Thank goodness. Yes. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. great. And you know, we're going to have a lot of pictures of us. We're going to talk about our breakfast in just a second. <laughs> so we're going to see a lot of pictures of me and you with our food. Uh, and people might say like, wait a minute. Uh, Lauren Pritchard doesn't look like a plus-size woman. Well, you've transformed yourself, madam, uh, I think, into a different category. You're still well, hilarious, you. obviously. But, yeah, you've lost a, you lost a lot of weight. I mean, do you, uh, how did you do yeah. that? It was weird. Well, it was weird. I have to say, uh, it's a weird beast because, A, I'm still plus-size and probably always will be because Hollywood, right? I could lose literally, like, I could just be a, a head on a, on a stump and they still be like, yeah, you little two chunks. Yes, um, but... I mean, yes, in Hollywood's <laughs> eyes you are. But Hollywood. me hanging out with you as a person, I'm like, you're not in that category anymore. And Thank it's you. okay if you are, you know what I mean? It's but weird. but the, yeah. But you have transformed your body where you've almost gone down to a different, uh, a different character type. I did, which actually sent me through a loop because I, so I lost 140 pounds. I lost a whole person. And, wow. um, but for me, it's super weird because I, again, I was a dancer for a long time. So I remember being, uh, you know, uh, the healthy size up, up until about 2021. 20, then I gained about, you know, 150 pounds for a long period of time. Then I lost again. I, I went up and down a few times. I lost 100 pounds a few times and then gained uh-huh. it back. I'd lose, I'd lose 70, gain it back, 60, gain it back, 100, gain it back. I just, I it was the yo yo dieter forever. Yeah. And, um, my family is basically, as I said, we were big, you know, talking, sunny, outgoing people. We also kind of look like the clumps. Where we all have a little bit of size on us <laughs> and are and have weight-related illnesses. And uh, when I was reaching 40, I just I had met my husband a couple of years earlier. 
And uh, he loves me at every size, thinks I'm pretty at every size. But my family started showing really bad signs of obesity and, and illnesses. And I uh, diabetes runs my family and heart attacks. And so I didn't want that to happen to me. We knew we wanted to start a family. So I knew I had to do something. And my doctor finally was like, I would suggest you look into weight loss surgery, which I'd always been like, no, that's quitting. That's giving up. That's the easy way out. Not true. Uh, I ended up getting the vertical sleeve gastrectomy surgery, which just basically means you eat less and exercise more. Okay. Uh, hello. That's a big secret. You eat smaller amounts. That's literally the whole secret. But uh, but to do that, you have to go through tons of therapy and talk about why you're eating, not what you're eating, and how much you're eating. And uh, because it's it's the same thing as alcohol. It's like anything in excess is too much. And um and but my family is a great example of it being physical, not just how you eat. Because I have an older sister who is adopted, and she lived with us through all this whole time that we all lived together. But she looks like Julia Roberts. Doesn't gain a pound is a tall, statuesque person who ate everything we ate and just didn't gain a pound while the rest of us were all obese. I was like, hey, I think it really is, there's actually a thing that makes certain people predisposed to obesity and our, our family gen- genes have it. My older sister just never got it. She's like, I don't understand. I eat what you guys eat and I just, I just don't gain weight. And I was like, yeah, we hate you for that. Yay. Uh, so yeah, so that, that I had gotten to the point where enough was enough, but it really changed my audition type, which is still still throwing me through a loop. Because I know who I am as a plus size person. I still think that I am. I still relate to that. That's where I am mentally still. But it changes your comedy demographic a lot. Now I'm just like average size woman who looks like a bag that a plus size person used to be in. And <laughs> now she's a floppy version of a middle aged woman. Uh, so yeah, it's, I'm used to the ladies in my type. I'm used to the small group of gals that I'd audition with. And now I'm in this kind of big pool of just like 40 year old woman white woman and a, a boring bland 40 year old white woman so yeah i uh i missed my little my niche type of like yeah comedy girls well and, uh, you, but, you know you joke about the the way they describe the characters you said floppy middle-aged woman look that <laughs> i've i've seen stuff like that in the breakdowns for the characters i go out for and it's like why why is that necessary yeah. floppy <laughs> exactly. exactly come on well and luckily i was on stuck in the middle and gamers guide when i lost most of the weight and i remember coming to the showrunner terrified i was like i'm so sorry i'm losing weight really rapidly the costume department was taking in my costumes each week and she said hey funny's funny we don't care how big you are and that was such a huge gift because i thought i was going to lose my job because i had broken my contract by losing all this weight over hiatus she was so cool and she was like uh, the Gamer's Guide uh, episode actually went, well, we'll just write it into the script. We'll just make a script uh, saying that over uh, the summer you became an Olympian. I was like, great. They made me like a shot put thrower over <laughs> the summer. It was so great. They just, we'll, we'll write it into your, your your character. You're now an Olympian. Right. And I was like, awesome. So that was really cool. They they embraced the comedy. And they were like, because I do a lot of physical comedy and um, stunts and things like that. And they were like, well, great. Now you can do even more physical comedy. Now we can, we can do even more with you. And I was like, cool. It was I was so honored to keep my job and be able to lose weight and get healthier. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. Well, I think that's an important thing you said right there too, is like, I'm kind of on my, um, on my little health kick and I've yo-yoed myself up and down, you know, 50 pounds, go back up 50 pounds. And right now I'm on the, the trend where I'm, I'm trying to cook a lot healthier. I'm trying to exercise a lot more and I'm down about 35 pounds, but. And you can see it. I saw you that I was like, dude, look at you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. The, the point I'm trying to make is we are, um, I, I, I try to not be worried so much about the weight, but how I, f- do I feel healthier, you know, and how do exactly. I feel about myself? And I'm sure that you're, you know, much, uh, more energetic and able to do the dancing stuff that you, that you grew up loving now. And that's gotta be a great thing. 
Exactly. Weight is not an indicator of health, but I do think that for me at that point, my body was starting to kind of break down a bit, knees, back, the things. And sure. so it was at that point in my life where my weight wasn't servicing me anymore. And I have to tell you, when I saw Edie Bryant on SNL, I was like, oh, okay, she's got that, she's got that cornered. I, I can step back now. My, my weight is no longer a thing I need to use. Like it was this weird, like, even though she's smaller than I was at that time. But um, yeah, I think I just got to the point where I was done with the weight. I was done with it. And it wasn't helping me anymore. It wasn't protecting me the way I thought it would anymore. And it was just, it was done. I was just done with it. Yeah. Well, yeah, good now for I can you. Do things like hike. <laughs> hey, and look, let's go on a hike. That would be great. Go on a social Yay! distance hike. And, and I would love to do that with you. Um, I met AD Bryant briefly at a, at a, um, uh, Emmy event one year. And I, we had a, we kind of talked about that whole, you know, how they describe your characters in the breakdowns. Uh, which oh, is yeah. uh, when you get an audition or when the auditions go out, they'll a breakdown is what when they show you the, a description of the different characters that are going to be on a show or a movie so that your agents can be like, oh, that sounds like Brent or that sounds like Lauren. I'll submit them on this project. But, yeah, yeah. it's just funny how, like, hopefully the, the things are changing where the, the way they describe characters is not so much based on, like, how we physically look or, you know, how disgusting. <laughs> Uh, this guy's <laughs> overweight, disgusting. No one could love him ever. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. why is that necessary? I, I literally went out for one on CSI that was a lady who was so large, she killed a man while they were doing it. And I got a call back. And I was so offended. Oh I was like, God. how dare you? That's not even, I would have to be so large to crush a person. <laughs> uh, and here's something very offensive that, again, I'm so glad 2020, I don't think does anymore. I remember one of the very frequent breakdowns I would always get. They'd always say the assistant is plus size or Asian. That was always what it said, plus size or Asian. And you go to the waiting room, it was all big girls and Asian girls. And we'd always joke like they just mean they want someone quirky, but they don't know how to say it. So all they can think of is plus size or Asian to be the, the hot girl's best friend, which is so offensive on so many levels. It would make me so mad. Plus- like, Why can't the lead girl be Asian? Why can't the hot girl be the Asian girl? I don't understand. Why can't the lead girl be the plus size girl? Because guess what? Those girls are dating. Thank God for A.D. Bryant's amazing show because she is yes. awesome and sexy and dating and showing that like ladies like us meet husbands and have normal right. lives. Well, you're talking about uh, Shrill, which I believe is on Hulu. Yes. Love that show. Yes. I haven't Love dug into season two yet, but season one is I highly recommend Shrill. Um, yeah, she is not apologetic about a thing, and she's wonderful. And I've only heard such great things about her. I haven't met her myself. But she seems yeah, nice. I, when I met her briefly, she she was very she was very nice. Um, <laughs> I I can't get over this whole <laughs> plus size girl or Asian I or mean, Asian. Why? And they just mean the wacky best friend, but they don't know how to say it. And in, it, oh, yeah, in no world are those the two things that you're like going to put together and be like, this is what the thing that we want. And that's going to be an accurate representation of what you really want. You would never get on one of those weird. Uh, I shouldn't say weird. Look, there are dozens of them, dozens on the kinky websites that are like, I'm really looking for a plus size woman or an Asian. I mean, that- or- <laughs> <laughs> they're two sides of the same coin. It's like, no, they're not. They're they're different currency completely. You mean you're looking for a human woman? OK, cool. Good. <laughs> no. And I know they just meant like wacky and not uh, the blonde hot friend is what they're trying to say in a very polite way. But it's just it's like when they use the term sassy. It's very offensive to be like, I know what you're going for. Right. I get it. Thank you very much. Right. But I think casting has gotten a lot better. They're, they're oh, I like, hope so. Open to it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. And and look, that's something that needed to change and, and it is changing, but it still needs to, you know, keep changing and keep showing that it's yeah. going to have lasting power. So, yeah, uh, thank you for sharing that. That's really great. Uh, and also all the Mad TV stuff is so cool. Um, I only have, 
let's see what a uh, tangentially i the first show i ever shot uh mikey day was the producer on set which was a cartoon network show called incredible crew <laughs> so nice. i didn't really talk to mikey day but he was there uh he was um, on mad tv yes Yes, yes, yes. He wasn't my season, but I definitely know who he is. Right. And then Deborah uh, Wilson Skelton, who, when she was on the show, was Deborah Wilson, was on the first eight seasons of Mad TV. I ran into her. <laughs> I was doing this video at a Ren Fair where I was playing my, my Filipino uncle character, you know, who he goes <laughs> to the Ren Fair and he doesn't understand what the, this is hundreds of years ago. You know, this is what the Philippines looks like now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And so I, I ran into Deborah Wilson at the Ren Fair, and I was just kind of having a fun little banter where she didn't know I was playing a character. Uh, and it was so fun, and we talked about different things. And she was so nice and like, oh, she was very nurturing, and she's all very like blessings, blessings, you know, that type mm-hmm. of thing. And then when I got home, look, lesson for you guys, check the sound when you're making a video. Because uh, we got home and had oh, no sound, I was like, "Ah, oh. oh no!" And so it was just yeah, something that was wonderful project that was lost to the wind. It would have been fun to have, like, "Oh, I shot this uh, with Deborah Wilson Skelton, and she was really nice." Um, <laughs> but yeah, all those some lost opportunities when you're if you so if you're out recording those uh, things, guys, out in the wild, uh, guerrilla style, make sure you have sound. <laughs> Yeah, I've done two FaceTimes now with my dad. You know, my parents are down in lockdown in Orlando. And I've, uh, I've done two where I like, I record the FaceTime call. So this will be great. I, I can have my dad's birthday video. And then I play the hour long video back. And it's just him talking with no sound. I'm like, no, no. Yeah, that's always check your uh, sound. <laughs> yeah. Well, pro tip, <laughs> check for the sound. <laughs> Look, before we go any further, uh, we have to talk about this amazing breakfast we had from a place called Ooh. Mom's House. First of all, thank you so much. I had no idea I was getting breakfast out of the deal. I mean, I could have just like eaten the breakfast and run and never talked to you again. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me give a little background on Mom's House, uh, a place until very recently was called Mom's Barbecue, a place near and dear to my heart. It's it's a black-owned restaurant. It's literally three blocks from my house. So it is my neighborhood joint. It's been there for about 30 years. And let me tell you, Lauren, so many famous black entertainers had their signed headshots up at this place. Uh, oh, from yeah. Red Fox, Steve Harvey, Sherman Helmsley, uh, Holly Robinson, Pete, and her husband, uh, who is a USC and NFL quarterback, Rodney Pete, send them Christmas cards. You know, that's wow. the type of neighborhood place this is. So anyway, when COVID hit, mom, who's a sweet lady named Genevia, decided to retire. And Mark from the family took over. So it's still in the family. And he kind of updated the eatery as mom's house, H-A-U-S, which invokes, uh, you know, the kind of a Creole... Uh, vibe. And mm-hmm. uh, it has a lot of the same great food, but they added a bunch of New Orleans Creole food. So I'm so happy about that because it just made a great place even more great. Uh, what, why don't you let everyone know that what you had for mom's house, Lauren? Well, I was delighted because being a Southern girl, I love a Southern food or breakfast. We talked about having, you know, Creole and New Orleans style food. And again, the South. And I chose the shrimp and grits. Because it's kind of more of a brunch time right now. And so I figured, ah, I would do a little shrimp and grits, which kind of gets over there. Grits are such a, I mean, a Florida staple. It's, they almost serve them before they serve hash browns. And so the shrimp and grits is definitely kind of the, um, the updated L.A. version of it. But, of course, they also serve it in the South. And it was delicious, spicy, served with two Frank's Red Hot Sauce, so you know it's good. 
I eat, it was so much food that I ended up saving it and had it, I had it for three meals. I had it for dinner and split it with my husband at the end of the day, which was awesome. And we even added some cheese to it for the reheat. It was so good. And the spices were the perfect, um, kind of had, had sort of a jambalaya spice to it. Oh, it was delicious. So good. And they were, they were like baby's feet, the size of the shrimp. Oh, so good. Excellent. And then you had, uh, for dessert, you had the bananas, bananas foster. Oh, which again, I don't know what breakfast usually involves banana foster, but monster did. It was so good. And you can taste the bourbon in it. You can taste like actual bourbon in that banana foster. So delicious and layered perfectly like a little trifle. Ooh, so good. Thanks yeah. for the recommendation on that one. And they kept the nice, look, I love it when you have a bananas foster or a banana pudding it's very close to that also, where they can keep the Nilla wafers crispy. Uh, they yeah. haven't all been soaked uh, in by the pudding, and it just adds that little crunch to it, which is, I've had that before there, and it's it's something else. So great. So uh, great. I had the fried chicken plate, and for my, for my money, Lauren, Mom's has the best fried chicken in Los Angeles, and uh, that oh. came, came with some corn on the cob and black-eyed peas, which was very nice. I also got the, uh, I was sharing with Tressa. We'll we'll just say I was sharing with my wife. Uh, I also got the shrimp po'boy, and it truly has all those flavors you want in a po'boy from New Orleans. Uh, I, I got it with a side of cabbage, which is low-key one of the highlights of Mom's. It's kind of a sweet, soft cabbage, and I, I really love it. And I topped it off with one of the best peach cobblers in the era. I was so full, but it was so worth it. Uh, Mom's house. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Mom's house nestled in Van Nuys, a true food gem. So, guys, check that place out. We all want to support them and and make sure they keep their things going because it's great food uh, and it's a great family owned business, a black family owned business uh, to, to boot. So, yeah, it's important right now to support local businesses, especially black owned businesses, and support your local neighborhood businesses that you love because, man, they need your help right now. So, when you order out, try to get from them. And I was delighted to mention Southern Food, and you had a perfect recommendation. And I can't wait to go back and try the fried chicken. Absolutely. It's <laughs> it's it's really good. And look, that means we're both trying to be healthy right now, but that means we, that's where the exercise comes in. We we eat yeah. that, and then we've got to, you know, <laughs> take it easy on the next meal. I think you, uh, you know, we didn't talk about this during the segment, but one thing I think is even if you are trying to be more healthy, really rewarding yourself sometimes and giving yourself those t- sometimes to be like, I'm going to have this food that I really enjoy. I'm not going to go crazy, and I'm not, and it's not going to be like a prolonged thing, but I'm going to enjoy this one meal. And, uh, you know, because, look, we have taste buds in our tongues, and um, they need yep. to be used, and they need, <laughs> and our, our stomach demands it. And it's part yeah, of us as a, humans. It's sometimes food, and, and you just eat a little less of it this time. Right. You have to finish your plate. Right. Yeah. Well, it is now time for the segment we call Breakfast. Quick bites. Breakfast quick bites. Quick bites. Quick bites. Breakfast quick bites. Breakfast, the most important meal of the day. This is the part of the show where we have asked questions to the fans online ahead of time, and now we will see how Lauren Pritchard and I feel about these questions. Quick bite number one. Lauren Pritchard, you are a fan of New Orleans Creole food. What is the better southern fried dough dish? beignets or hush puppies oh this is a toughie okay because it depends what time of day it is because if you're doing lunch you got to go hush puppies because they're good with everything slightly sweet but great to sop up every bit of sauce but if you're doing a breakfast and you're in new orleans i'd go beignet that's like a donut sugary delicious powdery so good so flaky depends where you get it of course 
but if it's if it's breakfast time, I'm going beignet. If it's lunchtime, I'm going hush puppies. Yeah, I think I think you're right on with that. I think the beignet is a standalone thing. I think is probably better. Hush puppies, if you're eating a meal, is a good like, you know, little uh, side dish also. But man. yeah. And a beignet is going to sop up that hangover a little bit that you're going to get in the uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Although, you know, the, the danger of the beignet is they put so much, uh, what is it, like powdered sugar on top of it mm-hmm. that, you know, if you're wearing a black shirt eating a beignet, you're asking for trouble. Uh, that's a rookie mistake right there. <laughs> right, thank you. Do not go. <laughs> the cops pull you over. <laughs> do not go to Cafe Du Monde, in, uh, which is a giant cafe in New Orleans. Hopefully that'll be up again and we can all enjoy that when, when we get this uh, pandemic under control. Oh, yeah, yeah, Don't go there with a black T-shirt. You're going to end up with like, you're brushing off your, sh- I don't know if you can hear that, brushing off your shirt and you know, looking like, uh, I don't know. You just have powdered sugar on your shirt. <laughs> An episode of Miami Vice. Right. Wow. <laughs> you went there. Uh, <laughs> breakfast quick bite number two. Lauren, you are a longtime Disney actor. Who is the better quarantine buddy? Iago the parrot from Aladdin or Timon and Pumbaa, the meerkat and warthog buddies from The Lion King? That is such a difficult question because <laughs> I guess it's, it's like the hush puppies. So here's what I love about Iago is that's an honest bird. That bird is A, going to repeat what you say, so you're going to hear yourself back. It's like having a therapist all the time going like, what I heard you say is, and he's not messing around. He's just going to tell you exactly like it is. But of course, it's Gilbert Godfrey's voice, so that's, <laughs> right. that's hard to listen to. Puma and Timon, you're going to be a third wheel. Those two, got a, they've got a whole thing going on. You're going to be a third wheel. They're going to be off doing their own thing. And, and you know, you know you're going you're to be a third wheel. You're going to be like Simba, who's just like, hey, man, what am I, chop liver? Uh, I got to tell you, though, if I can, I got to tell you, Abu is the best character from Aladdin. So if I had to choose, I'd choose Iago just because he'd be kind of mm-hmm. funny and sassy. But if I could choose my perfect ideal quarantine mate, it'd be Abu, who broke my heart with sweetness and comedy and has your back and can become an adorable lady with long eyelashes or steal an apple for you. And, oh, he was the cutest. And the way they would emote with him, oh, he was so cute. So that's uh, my favorite Disney character. Yes, Abu is great. I tried to make it a little difficult for you by... <laughs> two two quarantine mates, so it'll be tough to hang out with. You're right. So you're saying you pick Iago over I Timon and Pumbaa? Yeah. Yeah, just because it would just be him and me, and we would be honest together, and, you know, I think if felt like it is. I think if you're trying to get roasted, you know, I think uh, having a roast <laughs> at your house, you definitely want Iago there. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> choose the hush puppies! Yeah, it would, it would, it'd be a Here's lot. what I don't like about your voice. It's very <laughs> irritating. Yeah. Are you uh, going to eat that again? <laughs> eight more egg whites? What about the regular <laughs> eggs? Uh, <laughs> look, You're I, the I, worst I, thing on that TV. <laughs> oh, jeez. Tiago. There are wow. many bad things on this show. You are by far <laughs> the least comical of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Timon and Pumbaa, I feel like, would be, um, I think, meerkats. Uh, Although I watched Meerkat Manor, that documentary, and they are vicious animals. But they're so uh, cute to look at. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, they'll eat the snakes. Like, if we have snake problems, that's you want that. Look, they they are vicious with their own families even. Don't go go hunting uh, and leave, you know, the the pregnant sister behind with the other baby meerkats because they might, you know, they have a whole – they're vicious in their family thing and who's going to take over as the leader, you know? That's also just a Southern thing. Don't leave your pregnant sister behind. Wow. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, but I was going to say, Timon and Pumbaa, 
little messy for my taste, I think. Yeah. I think I would have to pick Iago too, even though he's, he would be kind of annoying to listen to all the time. But you're right. He's, he's at least honest. Yeah, those two are kind of messy, and they also get into too many hijinks. Like, Iago knew what was going on. He'd fly ahead and get an idea and come back and be like, all right, here's what's going on. Right. Yeah, they, they got into too many hijinks. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes our breakfast Quick Bites. This has been so much fun, Lauren. Before we get out of here, I need to get three last-minute recommendations from Lauren Pritchard. Ooh. Here we go. What is a guilty pleasure show or movie that you have watched? Well, I will always watch It's a Wonderful Life. I love It's a Wonderful Life. I will watch it anytime I possibly can, but it's usually only on on Christmas. But speaking of Christmas, I love watching the I Was In One, one of those those ridiculous romantic Christmas movies that yeah. are on Lifetime. Uh, and I just watched Last Christmas because I was like, I need something that's fun and silly to make me not think about 2020. And so my husband and I watched Last Christmas with uh, Queen of Dragons, by the way, Darnayus is on it, um, yeah. Amelia Clark. And even that show still had, it, it's based on George Michael's Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. And uh, and then you remember at the end of the movie, like, oh, he's dead. And it makes you so sad. So, like it still had a very sad and had a little had a little undertone of like too much 2020 in it. Yeah. So uh, that was my guilty pleasure as, as a silly Christmas movie uh, romance movies. Very good. And I'm in one. I'm in one called Married by Christmas, where spoilers, the girl has to get married by Christmas. <laughs> and I play the wacky best friend or Asian. Oh, wow. I wonder which one you played. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, recommendation number two. What is a hidden gem show or movie that you love that people may not know? Oh, this is so easy. And it, it, it kills me that people don't know the show. It's called Patriot on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime, however you get your Amazon movies. Patriot is the original version of Barry on HBO. It is a brilliant show about a very reluctant um, assassin. And he is brilliant. The show is so good. It's basically like a little bit more of a serious version than Barry, but still very, very funny. Beautifully shot in Europe. It's a gorgeous, with music. He's a folk singer who um, gets out his guilty confessions about killing people in folk songs and coffee shops. It's brilliant. You have to check it out. It only lasted two seasons because Barry came and kicked his butt and shut it down. And I uh, love Barry, too. But Patriot on Amazon. Check it out. Okay. I will check that out. Recommendation number three. What's the show or movie that you consider to be your spirit animal? Oh, okay. It's cheesy to say. Well, first of all, Annie, 1980s, Eileen Quinn, Annie, changed me. When I saw that, I was like, I want to be an orphan. And then I realized that meant my parents would be dead. And I was like, okay, I don't want to be an orphan. I want to be in the musical Annie. And I never made it. I auditioned a million times, never made it, wasn't cute enough, but or precocious enough. The, but the adult version of Annie that I think I kind of relate to is Amelie. I, when mm. I saw Amelie, it was right after 9-11. I was living alone in L.A. And it that movie just imprinted on me, just the idea that she was this crazy little elven type woman who went around just doing nice things for people without them knowing. That, to me, was like, that's exactly what I want. I, the idea of being able to help people and do nice things for a world of people I don't even know and I'll never even get to know and they never get to pay me back. I love that. The idea of just doing random things to help people makes me so excited that that movie i just oh it, it i remember just crying and i watched it over and over and over. i kept going back to movie theater every night and watching it again because i was so moved by it i love it very cool so that movie yeah now are you a theater goer in uh, i ask this for a reason are you a theater person theater goer in los angeles because oh yeah i i can't wait to support my local theater in la yes did definitely. you see did you see amelie at the amundsen it was the, i uh, did i did and i have to say i loved it but it, it lost something in the translation. There's something so beautiful. I love that director anyway. And I, it, 
the movie just I, I had my expectations too high. Yeah, absolutely. I, I It wasn't as good as the movie, the musical. But what was really cool and tied into the whole theme of what's happening now in the world is Amelie was played by an Asian, Philippa Sue. Yes. Who also played yes, Mrs. Was, Alexander yeah. Hamilton in the in, right. in the movie and the play Hamilton, original cast member. So that's kind of cool. And I saw her do it in LA and she was brilliant. Yeah, me she too. I thought she was great. I think the movie musical that translated very well was once. I thought once the musical live stage version of the movie was brilliant. They did a great job translating that, making it this, this heartfelt thing. So that's a great musical to see when it comes to your town. I'm sure it will. Interesting. I thought the one that translated the best to me was not another teen movie when they made that into a musical. It was so... Because <laughs> it was not another teen movie. Right. It wasn't. It was that one, and it wasn't not... It was not another one. It was that one. That's, it seems... <laughs> well, uh, Lauren Pritchard, thank you for those recommendations. Oh, I've had such a great time, and I had such a great breakfast. I thank you so much for having me on Brentfest. What an honor it is oh. to... To join the ranks of some of the legacy that you've had here on well, the show. Well, look, the honor <laughs> is 90% mine, I will say. <laughs> I'll take 10% of the honor. You get 90%, Lauren Pritchard. Hey, hey, guys, if you would like to get more info on The Breakfast Show, such as pics of Lauren Pritchard and I enjoying our breakfast from Mom's House, I've got you covered. You can hit me up on Instagram at Scoops Pope. Give me a follow. And if you have a breakfast question, DM me. And make sure you follow my Facebook actor page at facebook.com forward slash brent.pope go to the show website brentfest.com or your favorite podcast provider and if you like the show please subscribe leave us a review brentfest is being enjoyed all over the united states and in 30 other countries over six continents the latest to jump on board being south korea laos belgium welcome love having you and trust me my... young. I'll say all. <laughs> right you know more than I do in that language. That's great. Uh, and trust me, my bacon posse, my syrup squad, we are just getting started. Special thanks to my editor, the one and only Rosemary Brown, for all the breakfast slicing and dicing. Much appreciate. Big ups also to my studio engineer, Daniel Erickson, for making me sound so good. Well, that was terrible. <laughs> Lauren Pritchard, this has been an absolute delight. Anything you're working on now, and where can we find you on social media? Ooh, you can find me on those social media platforms at Lauren P. Comedy. There is another Lauren Pritchard out there. She is a musical theater star from Spring Awakening, and uh, she worked with Duncan Sheik. So if you look up Lauren Pritchard, you're going to get the Broadway version or me. Nice. <laughs> and so look up Lauren P. Comedy. If you put comedy behind it, you'll find me. And uh, I'm always working on new stuff. I'm doing um, my two-girl, two-woman improv show, Lorelli. We're always popping up everywhere. And uh, again, I'm on BYU TV, two different shows now on Show Off, which is an improvised musical comedy show, and also on Wayne Brady's Comedy IQ. So check it out. Nice. And I believe BYU TV you can just find online. You just uh, do a search for BYU TV, and I think you can just stream it. Yeah, you can stream it. It's any anywhere you watch your online content. It's a free app, or you can just look it on the website. Yeah. Excellent. It's good family-friendly entertainment, so they, they play all over the world, which is great. Cool. Well, Lauren Pritchard, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a delight. And all those little nuggets you gave us about uh, Mad TV and all the different casting things is just you know, great information, and, and and I loved it all. I want nuggets now. Mm, that sounds so good. <laughs> nuggets does sound good. <laughs> Thank you so much. Just keep just keep doing what you like doing. If it makes the world a better place, it can't be that bad, right? <laughs> that's that's great advice. Thank you very much. And with that, we put another otherworldly episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope in the old to-go bag. See ya.
Here's what I don't like about your voice. 